Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Mohamed Ali, Adam White, and Jeremy Smith. Just like League Arm, we are having our own award show a week early because why wait to get all dolled up? But what? Oh, well, will our selections be as controversial as the UNFP Awards last night? Find out after a topsy-turvy League Arm weekend again and a look ahead at the Europa League final. But first, Here's the news. Marseille kicked things off on Friday night with the Europa League final firmly in their minds, but slipped up in the race for Champions League qualification through the league. Gangomp had Clermont Grenier score quite twice in a three-all draw that leaves Ludi Rudy Garcia's side, um, well, their league unfinished at least, out of their hands. On an enthralling nine-game Saturday, Strasbourg secured their league and status in dramatic fashion. The Alsace side came from two on behind against a Lyon side on a seven-game win streak to win 3-2, with club stalwart Dimitri Lienar scoring the winner with the last kick of the game. That defeat for Bruno Genesio's side has allowed Monaco to practically secure Champions League football and steal second from under their noses. Fabinho's late winner from the spot means that unless both teams below them win and there'll be a five-goal swing between them and Marseille, the Monegasque will be back in Europeans' premier competition next season. Lille also saved themselves this weekend with their third win in a row, going over 2-1 at home to Dijon. That was ensured as Toulouse fell to defeat again as they were thumped 4-2 by Bordeaux, meaning Leville need a win and hope other results go their way to try and avoid the relegation playoff at a minimum. The only other side they can catch is Caen, who dropped to 17th after a 4-1 loss to Nice. Mario Balotelli seemed to signal his last home game for the Southern Club, high-fiving the entire stadium and stating that they were all going a party that evening. Troyes gave themselves a glimmer of hope in their battle to avoid automatic relegation with a one-all draw against Montpellier, who now will likely miss out on European football. Elsewhere, Rennes secured that Europa League spot as they beat champions Paris Saint-Germain 2-0. The Parisians lost their first home game in 42 attempts as they said farewell to Thiago Motta in true Thiago Motta fashion, with him giving away the penalty for Rennes' opener. No snapped their seven-game winless run with a 2-0 win over Angers, while Amiens notched another win on, well, by this game scoreline against already relegated Mets. Off the pitch, last night was the UNFP rewards, with Neymar picking up the award for Player of the Year. Best goalkeeper went to Stefan Donde for the fifth time. Kylian Mbappe matched Eden Hazard by winning his second Young Player of the Year gong. Coach of the Year was gifted to Renai Emery. Goal of the season was won by a Malcolm strike against Dijon back in September, while the full 11 consisted of Mandonda, Dani Alves, Marquinhos, Thiago Silva, Ferlon Mendy, Luis Gustavo, Marco Verratti, Neville Fakir, Kylian Mbappe, Edinson Cavani and Neymar. In managerial news as well, it has been officially confirmed that Thomas Tuchel is the new pen at Paris Saint-Germain. The German has signed a four-year deal and will take over in the summer. And that's all for now. But for all your latest in the new world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. 
There's a lot to get through tonight, to be fair, but we're going to start with a look ahead to Wednesday night's game when it's a big one as Marseille head to Lyon to take on Atletico Madrid in the Europa League final. It's a chance for Marseille, should they end up where they're currently sat in fourth and that well, unless other results go their way, will be likely where they finish, and that will be outside of the Champions League places. Mo, this is their chance not only to win silverware, but to have four French teams, if they do finish fourth, in the Champions League next season. But how important is it not just for them to win silverware, but also to secure an automatic Champions League place, uh, which would exponentially um, move ahead their uh, championship project? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a very, very important game. Um, for, for, for the project, it's a very important game for the club. Um, you know, I, I I had the pleasure of speaking to Jacques Henri um, just a couple of weeks ago, and he said that nobody had been planning actually for the Champions League, uh, well certainly this year. Um, it's it, but obviously qualifying um, and getting to where they are at the moment means that things have already um, progressed at such a pace that playing a final. Um, and having this chance, it's you know it's one that's that's too good to miss. Um, but but you know Marseille are not favourites, um, so certainly I think even at this stage for me, it looks perhaps like a little easier uh, to to qualify for the Champions League by at least securing third uh, in the Ivan next next Saturday. And that's where the stickler on this one really lies now Adam is that they slipped up at the weekend against Gengomp in fact they were pretty lucky to get away with a draw in the end I mean they went a man down obviously when Stem van Donda got sent off and they went 3-2 down they scored another excellent goal through Tovan but uh, a clearance off the line by Jovan and Marvi in the last couple of minutes really saved their skin but at the same time they now can't really catch Monaco unless there was a big swing in goals. Their, their real hope is that Leon have to go to Nice and at least well, get a victory as a minimum, really, to guarantee it. That really puts the feelers onto this game on Wednesday because this obviously comes first and they know that if they lose this one and say if it, if it takes the energy out of them, you know, they've got all the travelling, they've got all the build-up to a, a, a final, a European final, and then they have to pick themselves back up again if they were to lose. So it just makes this game even bigger than it already was. Yeah, it somehow managed to accentuate the importance of the Europa League final, given the stage that you know Marseille are at in their in their development and this you know the, the project. Um, it, it 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 couldn't get much bigger to be honest. Um, and um, what Mo was saying about you know they weren't necessarily playing for Champions League this season. Getting getting there would be still a a huge deal for them and a, a big step in in their in their progression. So yeah, it only adds to the. To the weight of the the importance of the occasion, um, is the game of Gangon itself was an absolutely brilliant game as well. It was uh, it was end to end and eventful and goals and yeah, it was superb. And and they're obviously unlucky to not to not win in in the end. To be honest, it was it was a uh, it was it was it was very it was a very exciting match. But uh, looking ahead to the final, it's um it's difficult to understate how how important a game it is for Marseille and. Um, you know, if they come into the final day having lost, and you know the 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 gap to make up so so big anyway, you know even if they were to finish level on points with with Monaco and goal difference, the the head to head would then come into play, which means Monaco would still finish above them, having beaten them six one this season. So it's a tall order to to finish in the top three, but hopefully, you know they win the Europa League and finish fourth, and we get four French teams in the in the Champions League next season. That's the the light at the end of the tunnel, at least if Marseille do 
win on Thursday. And let's focus back on that game, really, Jez. They, they're facing a very, very tough side, the side that no one really wanted in the Europa League this season in Atletico Madrid. As soon as they dropped out of the Champions League into that third spot, everyone thought that this was the, the team to avoid. And thankfully, they've avoided them up until this point. But you always have to, well, to, to earn any kind of trophy, you tend to have to beat the best teams. And this is going to be a, well, a very tough side against a, a motivated Madrid side. They'll want to always win an extra slice of trophies. You know, it, they're always important at the end of a player's career. And also added to that is the like, of Antoine Griezmann, who's yet to win something with Madrid at his hometown ground, as it was at, at Lyon at Parkowell. Um, <laughs> all the narrative seems to be pointing towards uh, Atletico Madrid. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of narratives there. Like, um, I think Lucas Hernandez was was born in Marseille, so he said that he considers Marseille his home city. So that's like another little sort of little subplot there. But um, I think all season, Atletico have looked the team to beat. They've sort of taken it, not more seriously than everyone else, but of some of the other bigger clubs that you'd have expected to to maybe really make a play for it. Teams like Dortmund, I guess, they've all sort of fallen by the wayside and, and Atletico have looked the team to beat the whole time. But in a final, you know, maybe over two legs, it would be... Um, the, you know, the the favourite team is always going to be a bit more of a favourite to sort of come out on top over two legs. In a final, anything can happen. And there has been such a groundswell of, of support behind Marseille. And, um, you know, even though it's in Lyon, which has sort of become a, a hostile city, I guess, in recent years um, for Marseille, I think the fact that it is in France is not a huge advantage but a bit of a leveler for Marseille I, th- I do think they'll have um su- more support there than Atletico um and you know just sort of home comforts being not having to travel so far being more familiar with with the stadium um all these things I think could help Marseille then it's just the case of obviously what happens on the pitch and sort of matchups um I th- I think a lot depends on uh I mean, fitness as well, but really, um, Gustavo, Tovan, Payet, they're the players that have made Marseille tick all season. And, you know, in terms of Marseille going forward, they're, they're clearly going to be the, the crucial players. Um, at the same time, they have to be solid in defence because it's, it's hard to see Atletico not scoring. Um, and certainly Marseille, for, for neutrals anyway, but certainly from a Marseille point of view, they have to score first, I think, because Atletico are so good at protecting a lead and genu- generally so difficult to break down that, um, you know, if they go 1-0 up sort of early on, that's that's their ideal situation. Mo, a, a sort of two-part question really ahead of this game, and it focuses on both the team itself and one player in particular. In terms of they're playing in Atletico Madrid side who are famous for their defensive instincts and being, like Jess said, if they get ahead protecting a lead, um, A, is that, that's almost the antithesis of, of how what Marseille wanted to face, really, at least anyway, with the defence being a little bit better this season, but still a little bit suspect in the bigger games, especially. Do Marseille really need to go for this one and really go out of the blocks and attack in this game? And Conscious to that as well. Sorry, sorry, Mo. Just conscious to that as well. In particular, someone who, for for argument's sake, for some people that mentioned, hasn't really turned up in the bigger games, but has been terrific all season. 
in particular, Florian Tovan taking that mantle and uh, showing himself in this final as well as that forefront of that attacking mentality. Yeah, I know. I think I think they've got no choice. Like Joe said, I agree. Um, you know, Marseille's best chance of winning the final Wednesday would be to go for it. And largely, um, the only reason that I can potentially see Owen winning the final will be because Athletic have had an off day. Um, because just the way that they're set up, it's sort of unlikely to see, um, you know, how Owen can stifle, um, you know, or break down an Atletico side who who have done it against much more proficient teams uh, across the season. Um, you know, they, they did it perfectly, as you saw, against Arsenal in the second leg uh, of the Europa League. So, you know, to answer your first question, yeah, you know, it's a final, there's a second chance to qualify for the Champions League. So, personally, I'd like to see a bit more caution to the wind, sort of, um, you know, let's go for it, let's 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 attack, let's see where we can end up and sort of judge the game accordingly as it progresses rather than playing it safe, getting to 45 minutes, you know, goalless, um, and then trying to sneak a goal because... You know, I just I I don't have a lot of confidence in in um, just the side that we're going to put out against you know man for man how we're going to break down this Atletico team. Um, and yeah, to answer your second question, yeah, it all depends on and like Jess said before, like the the key players, Tovan Paye, especially in attack, ticking Tovan. Yes, I think you know there's there's a case to say that he hasn't performed um, when there are players of a certain level against him. Um, so, you know, this is a big occasion. And this is one that you sort of don't want to miss up because it's been 14 years since the club got to a European final. For many for many of the players, it's the first time in their career. You know, it's you know it's easy to go missing, you know, in a way fixture against Lyon or something, but those come to a penny. It's, it's a final the world will be watching. Um, Didier Deschamps, of course, certainly will be watching as well. So, and I think that a negative game won't suit him um, either. Um, so it's 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 a good it's it's a good chance for both a player, both a starting eleven to to be more expressive, to be um, more entrepreneurial going forward, and just see where we can end up. As you know, at the end of the day, if if there's obviously no shame in losing that final, um, and you know there's there's another chance on 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 Saturday. So you know all the best, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be a massive game with a lot of eyes on it, Adam. And the, and the positive thing for Marseille as well is some other players coming into form recently as well, especially uh, Dimitri Payet really finding his feet in the last sort of two months to add to Tovan and, and bits like that. But then at the same time, Mitroglou seemed to find a bit of form but has got injured as well. It looks like he'd be facing a, a real test to be fit for the final. It looks like he's probably going to miss out. Um, you also look at the performances of Luis Gustavo, who's been excellent all season in front of that defence as well. They all need to play at their very best level against a team like this to, to even stand a chance of victory. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They do. Um, although I think, although Atletico Madrid have been, you know, have been fantastic in recent seasons and obviously have that kind of streetwise, uh, dogged, hard to break down, you know, aura around them. Perhaps, although they finished second this season, you know, that's kind of in Spain. That's that's sort of they, they should. That's sort of, you know, there's a caveat to that in the Real Madrid have been pretty poor in the league. And, you know, some of their players aren't necessarily at the peak of their form. Coco's not had the best season. Um, neither Sual, Niguez, and 
and Griezmann's not quite as omnipotent as he was at one point. And I don't know that the gap is as big as perhaps we're worried that it is, because I imagine everybody on this podcast would be supporting Marseille or, you know, in, as a, from a French football's perspective. And and I, I, I don't know that the gap is, is is quite so large. So I'm I'm sort of with Mo in that I'd like to see Marseille be proactive and play to their strengths. And, and you're right, their strengths are Dimitri Pirates' form, Foreign two bands had a superb season, season, obviously, and although I, I I agree with the fact that he's he's been a little quiet in in big games, um, you know, given given his form in general, you you still back him to have and have some sort of a an impact on this on this fixture, nevertheless. So they need they need to give Pyatt and Tuvan the opportunity to perform, and if they do defend, and maybe Garcia goes, he was talking about going with sort of three centre centre backs. I don't know how, how much that might change a team. Depends if Sacco plays on the, on the right of a three or if Gustavo just drops in there, which, which wouldn't be too dissimilar, I suppose, in terms of outlook. But it's still a defensive move. And, and if he does go with that defensive move, it, it doesn't doesn't play to their to their strengths at all. And he risks, you know, getting sort of suffocated by Atletico Madrid and having having less of the ball and, and not being able to sort of play out and, and, and put pressure on them. So... I'm 100% with 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 Mo in that they should they should be proactive, um. But you know there are some sort of options, sort of more auxiliary options, perhaps players that have come into form at the right time. I think Lopez has has started to come back. Maxine Lopez has started to come back into the the form that he showed sort of towards the end of last season. Um, Morgan Sanson has has had some sort of standout games recently, although he's been a bit up and down. Um, so there are there are you know other other options for Marseille to to, to inflict damage on on. On on Atletico, but I think they need to they need to play to their attacking strengths, and, and it'd be interesting to see how Garcia does go about setting up this game. It's going to be a really interesting game on Wednesday night. So let's get some predictions, and I'll start with you, Jez. What do you think the score will be? Um, head says two one Atletico, but I'll go with heart and say two one Marseille. I'll, well, I'll allow you to do both head and heart as well yourself. <laughs> now, what what do you think? Oh, I mean, I think I think the uh, I think Marseille won't get thrashed. Um, definitely, um, head says one or two nil to Atletico, but heart says the Marseille pull it out of the bag and win by a goal to nil. Adam, I'm optimistic. Uh, I think it'll go to extra time, but maybe two one Marseille in extra time. Also optimistic, though. <laughs> mm. I, I think I'm going to probably be the harshest out of all of us. I, I, I just, I'm a big fan of Atletico Madrid, and I have been for a while. I, I just feel like that kind of team is the antithesis of what Marseille really want to face at this stage of any competition. Really, mm-hmm. I, I just fancy a, a maybe a goal in the first 20 minutes from Atletico, and they just seem to hold it out with that experience and that know-how and that now. So it's just a maybe a sneaky one-nil win um, for. Uh, Diego Simeone's side, which would be unfortunate. Uh, well, I'm sure we're all backing Marseille because even if they finish fourth, what a terrific thing it is for, for Liga and to have four potential Champions League players. And, and, and that's the interesting twist that sort of happened this weekend with results going a little bit crazy between those top three. At the beginning of Saturday evening, obviously, Marseille had already um, drawn and we'll talk about that one in a moment. But uh, Leon ended up losing in the final couple of minutes to Strasbourg, who would come on to very later as well, who were absolutely safe now. And Monaco had to play out until the final minutes as well. They were had a little couple of uh, difficult moments with, uh, with Saint-Étienne, but came out with a win that practically guarantees Champions League football for themselves. But let's start with Marseille's game. 
Mo, it, it's a tough ask for them, really. I know they played on Friday instead of everyone else on, on Saturday to help them with the preparation for the Europa League in midweek. And planning that and making sure you're still fighting on two fronts can be a diff- difficult thing at this time of the year with the size of squad Marseille have, especially in forward areas. But this was not the kind of game they really wanted to face. Again, gang side that have shown that they've beaten Monaco in recent weeks. They drew with Paris Saint-Germain a couple of weeks ago as well. They're always a dogged signing. They've got Clement Grenier and Jimmy Brion playing really well at the moment. They're starting to look like the side that we've seen under Quambare in a couple of years, despite having a bit of a dip um, in the middle of this season. But a tough game. But at the same time, with Mandondo being sent off late, it's, it's pretty good that they even got a point out of this one. I mean, yeah, no, there's um, there's certainly mixed feelings about this one. Um, I kind of already felt that this game would, would sort of seal it um, in terms of, you know, Marseille not, not qualifying if if they didn't. Um, because I think Gangon away have just, they've just got a sort of a bogey side about them from, from uh, like every time they, they go there and they've been, they've started the season there um, in the last two, three years and they've suffered defeats every single time. There's, I think, only one win um away there for since Gangan have been back in Migan. Um so I kind of already imagined that especially just before just before the Europa League final that it would be it would be essentially too much. And obviously when you look on paper, so many players were missing or suspended. Um so many of the key players like Rami Renlando and uh, and Gustavo the key key defensive pillars um that it, it would be a tough ask essentially. I didn't expect a victory but to go up 2-0 um, in, in, as they did, was it inside the first 20 minutes or something? And not, you know, not see out from there, I think that was a bit inexcusable. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, if, 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 it, was, if, if it was just, a, you know, sort of a board draw or OM had hit back, then I think there'll be less disappointment with how it's turned out. But to, to lose a lot, like essentially to lose the lead and then lose Mandanda... And you know, credit credit to to Garcia and credit to the teams that they they never seem to die. Essentially, the whole season, um, they've they've come back from losing positions very very often, which has happened so rarely in the last couple of years. Um, you know that it's, it's happened again on Friday, scoring late on ending the game nine against eleven. Yes, I think from that point, a point is obviously better than nothing. Um, <clears throat> but it really does feel like a missed opportunity when you're. Just before half time, two in a while, and then conceding two silly penalties. One of which um, was, you know, was very silly. The campus handball, but I guess he couldn't have done much about it. Um, it's, it's it's a bit galling. Yeah, and Adam, I know you obviously had eyes on this game, but at the same time, when it did go to three two to gang on, and they went ahead, there was still twenty minutes left. But at the same time, you must have felt as a as a Gangomp fan or a, a Leon or Marco fan at least anyway that they really should have seen it out but at the same time Marseille and that man Tovan have done it again and pulled it out of the bag it's a disappointment maybe that like Mo said that they started so well and, and got themselves in such a strong position but at the same time they still saved themselves they did um they did and there's there's, there's credit to be had there in the fact they did they did save themselves and and there's also although I'm 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 on board with with Mo again in that it, it was I can understand why, as a Marseille fan, it would be galling to to to, to lose out for having been turned up. But there is an element of fortune, a huge element of fortune in in one of the penalties at least. Um, obviously, Mandanda's one is, is is a pretty blatant one. But the the the, the handball is 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 pretty pretty lucky, and it, it sort of spiraled out of control a little bit for Marseille. And 
it's 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 it is it's unfortunate but the, given that they've got now you know three points three points gap and it's it's sort of disintegrated hasn't it it's, it's it feels like while it was while it was disappointing a disappointing result it feels like that it, it's the kind of game that they shouldn't be losing and um, although Gangon, you know, three two up, and and I and, and it was, you know, the crowd got behind them, and 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 it felt like a bit of a sort of a tidal wave um, that at one point, especially when when Brion scored his penalty, that you know Marseille still deserve credit to to come back into the game, and and both sides <laughs> might end up being disappointed to be honest, but um, they've 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 they're still in with a chance Marseille of of coming third at least, so there's it's not disastrous, but. Um, slightly disappointed on both sides, to be honest. But I don't think Marseille fans should be should be too disappointed, given given the way it panned out. Yeah, because on on paper it's disappointing that they look like they're at least the favourites at the moment to miss out. But at the same time, Jez, no one really expected them to be even challenging for Champions League football this season. And credit to them, even if they ignoring the Europa League final, really, and just focusing on Liga matters, that their final game is against Damian, who have had a terrific season, but must be slowing down now, although they, they got another terrific win at the weekend, at least. Um, but it's another chance for them, at least, with Leon having to face Nice, which is not the easiest game to, to finish on at all. They, there's still that glimmer of hope that if Marseille do the professional job they can against a team like Amien, that they can even still finish in third. Um, yeah, I mean, if the I think of the uh, three matches, or the the matches that the three teams have got left on paper, um, sort of ignoring what may or may not happen on Wednesday. On paper, I think Marseille have got the um, the easiest match, and that's that's not to show any disrespect to Amiens, who've obviously been amazing this season. But you know, they've got safety secured; they've got nothing to play for. Um, Toi and uh, Nice both do. Um, and Nice, obviously, we know a very classy team, um, and not so good away from home, but on their day, you know, capable of of sort of matching any other team, you know, even giving PSG a good game. Um, and Troyes are also still fighting for, um, you know, the very least to to get that playoff place rather than automatic relegation. And and they've shown reasonable signs of life recently. So um, I think that. that I mean, it, you can see Marseille sort of winning, I don't know, possible they could win 5-0, Monaco go down 1-0, and there could be a, a sort of surprise change there. But it looks like probably Monaco will be okay, and it will be between Lyon and Marseille. And, but as Lyon showed the other day, classic Lyon, um, you know, 2-1 up with in the 89th minute, they should have been home and hosed and they didn't even draw. They, they lost the match, granted to a fantastic free kick, but that's what this Lyon, Genesio's Lyon team are capable of. So it's certainly not, although they'd start as favourites at home, it's certainly not a formality that, um, that they'll beat Nice. So, you know, even if Marseille um, don't secure a Champions League spot on Wednesday, I don't think it's out. It's entirely out of the question that that they could still make it at the weekend. I wouldn't necessarily put money on it. I think that you know they they clearly start as the um, favourites to finish fourth, but I think there there could still be um, a couple of sort of swings one way and the other dur- during the the final matches. Mm-hmm. It's good to have some last day intrigue, but. 
possibly at least the, the weakest amount of intrigue out of those top three now is Monaco, who came out with a, a massive win again. It, they've sort of sneaked across the line almost, really. They, they were excellent sort of in the mid part of the season, Mo, where they went on that excellent run, really, from sort of well, from the winter break, obviously, well, just before that. In, in December, they, they had that win, loss against Nantes back in November. And that, after that, they didn't lose again in Ligue 1 until they faced uh, well, until they faced Paris Saint-Germain again, really. This, it was an excellent run, but they sort of stumbled after that. Another loss to Gangompa, draw to Amiens, allowed other teams to sneak in. They got a little bit lucky the previous week against Caen to, to take that 2-1 victory with uh, Silla grabbing his first ever double. And then they managed to nick that win in the last couple of minutes against Saint-Etienne, although some Monaco fans will argue that Jemison's header was over the line and wears goal line technology when you need it, although it is changing next summer, thank goodness. Um, but they look like they've just about, just about creeped over the line now. Yeah, I mean, like, like you, you know, you both said that they are the favourites to secure uh, Champions League. You know, it's it's going to be, it's going to take like a sort of a ridiculous goal swing, uh, well, not an unexpected one at least um, for for them to. To, to drop out essentially at this stage. Um, but I, I personally, for one, feel like they've been extremely lucky um, in the last couple of uh, weeks. Uh, you know, their form has been arguably the worst out of the, the you know, three clubs vying for Champions League. Um, I, I watched their game against um, and can't, um, I thought they were, they were very poor and, you know, sort of the key players, Lemar, one of them were, were just, have been pretty off for a while. I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on in the club, but just something, something is missing. Something does not take. I don't know if, if the players are sort of their minds are elsewhere, or or whether it's just fatigue, or um, or whatever it is. Is that they've they scored six points in the last in the last week or so through you know being being extremely lucky, like ninety minutes um, at the weekend against San Etienne, the goal very late on, then uh, Young Silla popping up against Kong where. You know, like if they take, you know, if if they'd only taken two points in that game, then this would be a very, very different situation. So um, they do face obviously a trois side that needs a uh, needs victory, and they're going to be playing at home as well in their final game. Um, but the three point gap and the six point goal, or I think six goal difference at the very least against uh, OM means that it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty unlikely. Yeah, Adam. But you know they do. They they yeah. are going to finish second probably, and um, I, I don't I don't know whether it's to say whether it's deserved. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a funny one, isn't it, Adam? I mean, they've sort of slowly but surely sort of rolled themselves over the line after stumbling just before the final hurdle. Really, um, after that terrific run and then that thumping from Paris Saint Germain just really put the the cogs into place and players seem to be already on the beach. It looked like they were the ones that were possibly going to slip up and, and Jardim's season sort of crumbling before his eyes, but they've just about managed to maintain it, which will keep some of these players <laughs> happily in the transfer window for them, at least. And Jardim's reputation intact with Monaco looking like they're going to get another season of Champions League football at a minimum. Yeah, it does look that way. I mean, I, I didn't think I'd say this at the start of the season, but the the given the form that Stefan Jovetic found himself in, his injury has been slightly prohibitive and surprisingly so. Um, and they they actually missed him over over the sort of the course of those the sort of recent slump in form. Um, but I, I think 
if they do finish second, I, I, and and they look likely to, as you as you mentioned, I think Jardim definitely deserves a, a degree of credit for this year, given the the overhaul they've had in their squad. You know, the players are left in the summer, and the additions that were made weren't exactly you know equivalents to the players that left, and and to to finish second once more ahead of very strong Lyon and Marseille sides. Is is a is a huge credit to his management once again. And although that seven one defeat at Paris Saint Germain was 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 well, it's difficult to describe how how terrible it was and and the the, the fallout from that game. But it's it, it definitely deserves credit to to, fin- to finish second given the circumstances. And Jardim's Jardim's reputation is is a strong one and a stronger one as a result, in my opinion, given the turnover and the way that. For periods of the year, Monaco were, the, were one of the best teams in the league. I'll give you the best team in the league for certain points, for certain periods of the season. So to 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 mould a team after such such upheaval is 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 quite something. And um, whether he's there or not next season, you know, Jardim is 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 for me Ligue's best manager by by some different distance, and he deserves credit once again this year. And he's managed to find a way is to to. To, to finish second once more, even though you know it's sort of a little bit fortunate, he's 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 again he's delivered, and and it's difficult to deny that you know his his coaching talents are are going to be pretty highly sought out, sought after over the summer. And that's where attention already seems to be swaying towards Jez is the, is the things that Monaco do in the summer because that's where where there's a lot of interest and they sort of ebb and flow. They have a down year and then an up year, but at the same time in the summer we're expecting Lamar to go, we're expecting Fabinho to go, even maybe even Jadim himself might go. Where can this club go really next season? They're even linked to players like Samuel Grancier. He's had a, a decent season at Twab, but he's probably shown he's not quite ready for for that kind of level of football. At least anyway, they've they've been linked with other young players across uh, across France, like Goria to uh, Lyon as well. They're trying, sorry, Goebbels, sorry, um, they're trying to attract away, but it feels like they're still in a, a little bit of a rebuild mode. Um, they they're always in rebuild mode. It feels like the one season they weren't in rebuild mode was was the season they they won Ligue 1, and I agree with Adam. I think Jardim has proved that he's the best manager in Ligue 1 at the moment, and um, you know, the all the players who come and go, it's Jardim that's kept them going the last three or four years. And um, if he leaves this summer, which I think he will, allied to all the players leaving, then. You know, unless they come up with some absolute um, masterstroke of a replacement, I can't. I can't see them sort of challenging for the next couple of years because I think what Jardim has done, the way he's been able to rebuild the the squad year in year out and keep it competitive and more than competitive, qualifying for Champions League every year, going quite deep in the Champions League a couple of times. I just, I think it's genuinely one of the most underrated achievements in Europe of the last few years. Absolutely. They are linked to a couple of interesting managers, including uh, Paolo Fonseca, who's done an excellent job at, at Shakhtar. It might be interesting if they could get someone of that kind of calibre, at least to replace Jardim, should he go in the summer. Um, that's all for Mo, at least, this evening for, for the team. Thank you for joining us again, mate, and we'll, we'll speak to you again soon. Yep, sir, thanks. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on to Leon at this point. We'll, I thought we would mix this in with 
to excellent relegation happenings um, really in this uh, weekend because now Lille and Strasbourg are officially safe and starting with the latter of those two teams who've obviously played Lyon. Adam, it was a terrific game of football, really. It was Strasbourg all guns blazing in the first half, much like we've seen when they've played PSG at home, when they've played Marseille at home. They were they were terrific in that first half and held Leon to no shots on target, really, which is incredible. And then immediately gave away a penalty in the second half and a, and a definite penalty against Fakir. They go 2-1 down with about three minutes to go of normal time. They grab an equaliser and then who else but Dimitri Leonard to step up and score the goal in the final minute? The, the real stalwart, the player who's been at the club ever since they were still in the National, even for the longest time as well. It's it's one of those sort of fairy tale moments, but not winning after February, beating a side that's won seven games in a row. Um, you couldn't really picture Strasbourg doing that point, but they are going to be in Liga next season. Yeah, absolutely. You really, you really couldn't picture it. And you know, as you said, they haven't won since the, the 11th of February, and that was against Troyes. So their only win, you know, this calendar year since, well, they beat Dijon as well, but it's really their only their only win um, up until this point. So it really is a bit of a turn up for the books for them to see to for them to get this result. And we we spoke a lot on the preview show about the the fact that they seem to have timed this slam perfectly, and then uh, you know they they somehow they'd stay up even though just because no one really really wanted to catch them and overtake them. But it got to last weekend and it felt like that perhaps the opposite was happening in that they were just unable to avert the slide and, and that they would, you know, sort of inexorably slip towards relegation, given that Lille suddenly started winning out of nowhere and, and um, you know, Toulouse might pick enough points to overhaul them as well. And um, they, the fact that they've, they've, they've managed to secure their league and status is, although we, is, is huge. And, and although we've we talked about the fact that they, you know, were national two years ago along with Amiens, um, you know, it's a, it's a big jump, and it, it it does get overlooked a little bit because they're a big club, and 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 you know they've got such a vociferous fan base, and and um, they've had some memorable results this season. You mentioned the home game with with PSG, obviously the draw of Marseille. You know, they for the first sort of half of the season, they were they were a genuine you know um, threat at home. Obviously, that tra- tailed away in the, in the second half of the year when they started to get injuries. You know, Terrier's absence was a big was a big one for them. Um, the cost is absence over sort of March and April again their only real source of not necessarily goals but but possibly you know a focal point to the attack you know Black and, and Bahokan aren't necessarily of the same level in my opinion and Kenny Lala is, although he's only a fullback has, has been very influential too and so that you know they had a small squad and it, the injuries and suspensions and started to add up in, in the classic you know and away and, and it looked like it might be enough to see them down so I think Thierry Laura deserves a huge amount of credit for, for keeping them in division given the you know their, their meteoric rise as it were and and um, it's it's an underrated achievement which has kind of been passed over by Amiens' superb season and and perhaps some you know uh, um, other big stories higher at the table but um, I, I think you know Thierry Laurie hasn't been mentioned in in terms of manager of the season, and I'm not saying that he deserves it given the the comparison with some, but he definitely deserves a lot of credit for for maintaining their their, their league and status. Yeah, and a great chance for them now, like we've mentioned in the past, to to build with a potential expansion of the stadium in the future, and um, they have a little bit 
maybe a bit of cash to play with staying in Liga, maybe some wise investments on increasing that that playing squad and, and maybe tapping into some of the things from League 2 and bits like that, that maybe they can start building something that's a mainstay in Liga. And it's a bit disappointing that Mets haven't stayed up as well because they had two terrific derbies that we really enjoyed at uh, uh, Jez. But at the same time of, of Strasbourg staying up, which I, I'm sure <laughs> you're not grinning too much about at least anyway, but at the same time for, for Leon they were 2-1 up for a long period of this game and looked like they were just about to see it out. They were much better in the second half. And then in the end, they lose it. It's not really stopped their momentum completely. They still have a, a point advantage over Marseille, but it's a mighty tough game they have to face against Nice now to confirm uh, Champions League football. Yeah, I think the worry is that Lyon seem to sort of... that It feels like their, their form's... The form table is kind of very much in stages. They don't. It feels like they don't really have sort of odd wins and losses here and there. They sort of go on long winning runs, then long horrific runs, and then back to winning again. So um, there's kind of slight alarm bells that that they threw that that win away. And you know, is that the although there's only one match more, is that the start of one of their bad runs, which which could be sort of terminal for them with that one match, but all or nothing match. You definitely want to be at home in the in the um, in the home stadium. And Nice, as good as they are, they're they're nowhere near the same team. I think away from home, um, Balotelli generally hasn't performed anywhere near as well away. Um, again, there's, there's interesting subplots there because there's player who's obviously an ex Lyon player, and he's I think he he's confirmed that he, he's going to leave in the summer so you know he'll, he'll have quite a lot to prove to his former team as well as wanting to um, leave his current team on a big high um, so it's certainly not going to be straightforward for Lyon and it's kind of typical of them that they've created the mess for themselves um, so I'd still put the money on them just because they've got so many match winners potential match winners in their team but it's just, it's never straightforward with them and you never feel entirely comfortable. I mean, just as at the weekend, it felt like they'd done the hard bit coming back from a goal down, quietening uh, a raucous crowd, and then they then they stuff it up. You could see them sort of doing the opposite, going um, sort of going ahead early. and or, Well, I say the opposite, basically doing what they did at the end of the match, sort of going ahead early and then switching off and, and Nice catching them at the end. Um, so they really need to be switched on for the full 90 minutes. That includes Genesio, who, um, I know a lot of Leon fans feel that it's, it's sort of coaching mistakes and really poor substitutions that have cost Leon a few points this season. Um, everyone within the club has to be switched on for the full 90 minutes. Even if they've got the lead, they need to make sure that they either they, they protect it or they extend it because, um, you know, a team managed by, by Lucien Favre with probably, you know, possible European football at stake is not going to just lie down and, and, and hand it to the opposition. And, you know, I think Lyon will probably do it, but like, well, I'm just repeating myself, but it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if, if they stuffed it up. And that, like you say there, Jess, there's an only, not only a Alisson player confirming he's leaving, Balotelli seemed like he's going to be leaving in the summer as well. You'd expect Jean-Michel Seri to be leaving as well. You think Lucien Favre might be heading on to Borussia Dortmund as, as an extra, another 
the final sort of movement as well. Maybe Nice are all playing for for trying to leave their club on a high as well, and that is going to make that even more difficult. But congratulations to Strasbourg, a terrific uh, result for them to stay in in Liga and maintain their their status there, and hopefully grow as another club that can be a bit of a mainstay. And another congratulations is for Lille because Adam, it felt like these three games that they were facing against Mets against. Uh, Dijon and against Toulouse would obviously define their season and they completely have because three victories have ensured their safety and it's credit to, to Galtier, it's credit to Motiba who grabbed the double the weekend and he's been very excellent in, the, in this last couple of months as well for them and, and a massive result for them to stay up and while it's not absolutely confirmed because of obviously the DNCG things we, we have to face possibly in the summer but at least on the field they're safe. They are. <clears throat> and um, it, although it doesn't feel like it in terms of points and, you know, momentum, it really does feel like a, a, it has the sort of the sensation of a, of a great escape because although they weren't necessarily out of it in terms of situations I mentioned, the form has been utterly terrible and there have been such turmoil this season. It's, it's unbelievable, really, that, that um, one club could get into such a mess. And and you look you look as well you look actually you look even further back than even Lopez's reign and you even look at Antonetti and and Hervernard and it they're a club that have been in, in in not far off crisis for for several years now. Um, Hervernard's reign was terrible. Lasted, you know what I think he got, they lost to Tuar and and he got sacked without the last time Tuar in the division and Antonetti took over and somehow took them into top six and then quickly. His his form with the club evaporated, and and it's and Passy kept them up following that, and then Bielsa came in, obviously, and another disaster. It just feels like they're sort of lurching from one catastrophe to the next, and it just felt like that was all culminating in their relegation. You know, they won the league in 2011, and 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 they they were you know for me they were virtually favourites to go down, and somehow they've managed to pull this out. And you look at the even beyond you know the, the the wider sort of arc if you like of, of Leo's story and you look at the turmoil in addressing them and players like um Amadou not turning up for 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 sort of video review sessions with Gautier after games and and put players in nightclubs the night before that Marseille game in particular supposedly um um Luis Campos uh, was in the dressing room calling his players idiots after that 5-1 defeat and um, you know the 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 pitch invasion where Nico Pepe was assaulted or he was attacked and and it, yeah it's just it's unbelievable and the fact that they've won these three games in a row they've they've been the perfect three games really for them to to face to some extent you know uh, no offense to to Jez but you know Mets and 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 uh, and Dijon and Tuz aren't especially Dijon away from home aren't the the three you know most frightening propositions in 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 league and but the fact that to, that Lille have managed to win all three. Um, is is somewhat of a miracle, and and they're they're going to be in league again next season as it stands um, uh, on the table at least. But I, I just as a final point, I, I really feel that that the DNCG situation is is one that they should be very very worried about. They, the the French authorities are particularly strict in France, and they they love a relegation. They love automatically relegated teams and making them you know make up their finances in other ways. Trois ambassador have experienced it in recent years. And it would not surprise me in the slightest if they if they relegated Lille. So one battle's over, but I think another one may may just be beginning, unfortunately. 
maybe hope for whoever finishes in the relegation playoff just yet. And just to quickly curtail sort of the the relegation chat, it's pretty much between three teams now. Cole, who were on 37 points, they're practically safe, but not absolutely mathematically. I'm sure they'll still have some fingernails jaggling if uh, some results start going against them because they do have a vastly inferior goal difference to Toulouse who face Gangomp um, on the final day of the season. They need to pretty much still win um, to even avoid an automatic relegation if Trois pick up something against Monaco because they are only a point ahead of them after Trois managed to pick up that point against Montpellier, which could prove to be uh, vital. What do you think the end up make up between those three sides will be? Um, it's pretty tough to say. I mean, you would say Caen should be in trouble because they're playing PSG, but PSG have looked so disinterested the last three weeks or so that you wouldn't bet against Caen getting something, especially at home. Um, to lose at home to Gangon, as, as you said earlier in the context of the Marseille match, Gangon not an easy team to, to play, but as Toulouse showed a couple of years ago with their necks on the line at home, they, you know, they, they are quite a prospect um so i'm sort of struggling to say what i think is going to happen um i i mean part of me kind of thinks Toulouse are going to get out of it and maybe drag caught into it and no offense to either team but frankly i think they both both of them would sort of deserve relegation i think they've both been Although neither are huge teams, I do think they both underperformed considering some of the players and the decent manager that they've that they've had the last couple of years. And they've both had very lucky escapes the last two years. Can't feel, again, like they're doing last year, sort of just hanging on based on points amassed earlier in the season. Um, I... Yeah, just just for the sort of intrigue and excitement of the last weekend, I'll say that Toulouse will somehow escape and, and bring Carr back into it. But I, I don't feel entirely confident when I say that. Yeah, absolutely. And whoever they have to face from Liga, from Ligue d'Ura as well, there's there's going to be a there's a new setup at least in France for for Ligue 2. They have that sort of Scottish um, playoff where down to fifth play fourth. The winner of that plays third. The winner of that plays the Liga side. So Brest will play Le Havre in the initial quarterfinal, as they like to call it, although quarters to, to whom. Um, the semi-final would have the winner face um, Ajaccio, the regular AC, Ajaccio, not Gazalek, who are much further down the table this season. And then the winner will face whoever finishes third in, uh, well, third from bottom, at least, in Liga. Uh, on to the off-the-field news as well, before our um, awards that we'll go through as well, which is certainly looking forward to, is the official news, at least, that Thomas Tuchel will be Paris Saint-Germain manager next season. Nasser Al-Halifi had, had hinted to it after the game um, on Saturday evening, Adam, that they were going to announce someone pretty soon, and it's all but confirmed on Lee Gans' website um, mm. earlier today, and Tuchel will be taking over on a, a four-year deal. Is this a good move for both the club and the man? Wow, that um, perhaps it's a it's a very it's a very difficult question to answer at the moment. Is it a good move for Tuchel? Poss- uh, possibly, um, I think yes. Um, it's a it's a it's a step up um, from Borussia Dortmund. Um, although you know, obviously Dortmund are a huge club too. 
but his time there didn't really end in the most sort of you know um, harmonious way. Uh, and he, although being a very sought after manager, his reputation was a little bit damaged by the way things ended there. So um, for him, I think it is a huge opportunity and, and, and one that he would you know be foolish not to take. Um, um, despite the, you know the fact that he is highly sought after, um, for PSG, I think perhaps yes, I, I would say it is a good appointment for them as well. Given that they're a club that seem well, they don't, they don't seem they do. They just prioritise sort of celebrity status and big names. And I don't know that Thomas Tuchel necessarily one would buy into that. And two is a celebrity big name like Carlo Ancelotti who or. Um, a lot of the other managers that are sort of thrown about in terms of who might take over, you know, Mourinho, maybe even Pochettino, those, those sort of types. And I think Thomas Tuchel is someone that represents the ability and the, the want, if you like, to develop the project at PSG, to develop the squad, to think in a more longer term perspective and bring players through and think a lot more about how he might get the best out of the team and how he might um, evolve the team and, uh, the only thing is whether PSG also buy into that, and he's been given a two-year contract, which is, which you know is pretty standard, I suppose. Um, but it would be nice to see them give him, say, four years, and say, you know, by the end of those four years, we want to be we want to be challenging, genuinely for for honours on all fronts consistently, rather than if they have a bad. It feels like that two-year contract says if you have a bad year, and we don't necessarily improve, then he's going to be under threat. And it's that kind of short-term thinking that PSG have struggled with since QSI took over, and it's arguably the main barrier to their success. Um, in terms of the, the transfer market, they took or might be the right man there because some of his players, like Julian Weigl, some of those players that, that might come in aren't the Neymar, Mbappe, you know, stratosphere transfers that perhaps the, the club one can't really keep, just keep doing, keep sustaining for FFP reasons alone. And he may suit them in, in that regard. So there, there's, there's a, there are caveats to that too. But um, I think it's a good move in principle, but PSG would have to change their philosophy for it to work out. Yeah, and it's an interesting one, isn't it, Jez? Because like Adam mentioned, he had a bit of a falling out with the hierarchy of his previous club. And this is a hierarchy that wouldn't really take very kindly to that in any means or shape or form. But at the same time, I think we could also argue that Unai Emery came in with, with Europa League victories under his belt, um, excellent seasons at, at Sevilla as well. Thomas Tuchel, otherwise, other than obviously the few seasons he had at Borussia Dortmund, he improved them. But there's only really a, a DFB Pokal sort of to his name as well. It's seen as maybe a, a step up from Emery, but at the same time, silverware-wise, he's not um, as, a, well, as accomplished as the Spaniard that is leaving. So is this a little bit of a risk still from PSG? Um, yeah, I think it is. I think um, it's sort of now we're looking back and saying everyone's kind of saying, yeah, Emery wasn't such a great appointment, not such a great manager, but there was a reasonable amount of excitement at the time because he, you know, the big thing for PSG was to take the next step in terms of Europe, and he's won three Europa leagues, so it did feel like he was kind of the right man for the job. Now sort of trying to do the opposite and convince ourselves that Tuchel's a great coach and I do think he's potentially a great coach but yeah certainly his his record and you know he hasn't he's not that long standing a coach doesn't necessarily point to the fact that he's absolutely top quality and I do wonder if 
as Adam alluded to, the the way that PSG is run and um, you know non-football people butting in, players maybe having too much influence. Um, you know, today a story came out that that Simeone said that he was approached last year. Mourinho, there's always been um, sort of rumours. I do wonder if maybe the very top coaches have decided that they're on a bit of a hiding to nothing at PSG, and so Tuchel is kind of not the best of the rest, but you know, sort of just below the very top tier um, of of coach. And so I think there is a risk in that sense, but it just depends how you look at it. In another way, it's perfect for for both parties because it means that you know he does have everything to prove. So he's gonna you know he's gonna really be working hard to to sort of cement or um, improve his reputation. Um, and PSG, as Adam said, it just depends if they can change their philosophy. Um, you know, there's there's some who would say that the fact that. Um, El Khalifi was and Enrique were overruled for this appointment, and it was the Emir that that picked Tuchel is a good thing because it means that clearly El Khalifi is going to have less influence. Or you could look at, look at it the other way, which I'm inclined to do, and say that suggests that there's absolutely no intention to change any anything if you know someone as far removed from actual football as as the Emir is making is making the making the calls. Um, so for Tuchel, I do think. On the one hand, it's a perfect opportunity to really show I am one of the best around. But on the other hand, it's a big risk because if if he's not allowed as much influence as, as he surely wants, and you know whether he he sort of sticks around or walks again, I think either way, probably through no fault of his own, um, it would probably mean that he'd leave with his repu- reputation tarnished. So I think it's a very high risk game for him. For PSG, I, I wouldn't say it's high risk because they're just going to sort of be carrying on the way they've been doing the last two or three years. And you know, there's so many people who are rooting for them not to be successful, which I still maintain is completely hypocritical considering that everyone sort of loves City, who've basically done everything in exactly the same way and actually taken longer to do it. Um, I, so in that sense, I don't think PSG have got anything to lose but it is about time that you know that they started i guess growing up and making that next step it is time for them to do it they've got all the sort of resources for them to do it and it is just um certain i would say certain individuals and certain sort of philosophies within the club that are holding them back um so maybe Tuchel will be the person to help them change their ways if he's not, then I think it could end quite nastily and even quite quickly. Yeah, and it'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on, at least anyway, next season. The narratives that we'll see at the Parc de Prince will uh, go on and on and on, it seems. Um, time for the Get French Football News Awards for 2018. And we've got plenty on offer as well as the team of the year as well players in all positions young player breakout star manager top signing flop signing best french player playing abroad and obviously the league overall best player of the season so let's try and get through this gents as we can um let's start with league 1 goalkeeper of the year and the nominees are steve mandanda of marseille benjamin lecomte of montpellier Pellier, uh, Stefan Ruffier of Saint-Étienne and Alphonse Ariola at PSG. Four good goalkeepers, Adam, and four good goalkeepers that have had good seasons as well, especially someone like Ariola, who was 
sort of maligned previously. Mondonda had that spell at Crystal Palace, obviously, before returning and has shown his stuff. Lecomte, we've always seen at Lorient as sort of a, a baseline average goalkeeper, but has really excelled this season at Montpellier and Ruffier always a little bit classy um it's been a bit more difficult of a year to pick a goalkeeper really but four good contenders is there anyone that you think stands out uh, heads and shoulders above the rest um for me um i think stefan ruffier would be would be my pick um i, I like Lecom. i thought he was good at lorion and montpellier has been very centrally sound this season so he deserves his, his shout in there as well mondonda He's undeniably an extremely talented goalkeeper and has some of. he's one of those goalkeepers that can have those games where he is just unbeatable and he pulls off unbelievable saves left, right and centre. And he's had a few of those this season, but maybe not his best season overall. Um, Areola's been much better in the last, you know, maybe two months. He's been, very, he's been good, to be fair to him. I'm not sure the rest of his season, you know, necessarily lends himself to, to, to being in, in contention, but... He has improved a lot this season and isn't the liability that Kevin Trapp is. So, for me, Stefan Ruffier, is, in the first half of the season when Sinetin were really very poor, he saved them on so many occasions. And um, much like Mondondo, it's one of those goalkeepers that can just have those games where he is omnipotent and you just cannot get past him. The, the win at Dijon, I think, earlier in the season, the 1-1-0, is a, is a fine example. And... For me, he's he's an underrated goalkeeper, not just in league terms, but in European terms. And I'm very surprised that perhaps perhaps because you know he's not the best technically, but I'm very surprised that perhaps a, a a bigger club hasn't come in for him because he's a very safe pair of hands. Um, so for me, I think Rufius had another brilliant season. And to be honest, I think I would have picked him last year as well. Um, so yeah, I think I think Rufio would be my pick. He's a superb goalkeeper. Yeah, he absolutely is. Jess, is there anyone that's missing from that list? It, I, like I mentioned, it's not really been necessarily the most outstanding year for goalkeepers to really headstand their head and shoulders above everyone else. But is there anyone that's maybe a little bit disappointed to miss out? Um, I, I can mention a couple. I think Tatrasanu's had an excellent season at Nantes. Um, sort of as ever, they they've been sort of built around a strong defence, and um, I think he's been. I mean, I, th- I think it was a great coup that they signed him anyway. He was doing great things at, at Fiorentina, but um, I think he just carried on where he left off and has looked excellent um, this season. I think, um, you know, speaking for Rich, who, who's, who's not here this week, I think Kubek's been in really good for Ren. I think the first couple of matches when... Um, can't remember who was in. Was it Diallo? I can't. Remember. Before he yeah. before he came in, it looked like that was going to be a real problem position. But I think he's he's looked well as you said, really safe pair of hands um, behind behind the Ren defence and a big part in in their qualifying for Europe. So I mean, they're the two that missed out that I would sort of immediately say that can feel a bit hard done by to not even be on the list of nominees. Yeah, especially Kubek. I think you make a great point there, Jez. He's been excellent since joining and trust the tradition of Czech goalkeepers at Rennes. Following in the steps of Petr Cech is not the uh, the worst thing in the world. But our winner for Liga and Goalkeeper of the Year, and just as a reminder, um, 50% of these votes are from the GFFL audience and 50 voted by our jury, both at headquarters and some of our um, very accomplished guests this evening. And we've combined that to choose our eventual winner. And the winner 
is Benjamin Lecomte of Montpellier, an excellent season for the 27-year-old. He's sort of been maligned a couple of times, really. Lorient, he had those couple of mistakes. He used to have those excellent games. I remember last season against Lyon, he was particularly superb, but playing in front of a of a strong defence that's had a terrific season, really, one of the best um, defences across Europe, never mind in France. He's been a, a key part of being an extra block at the end of that. Um, on to right-back. Liga right-back of the year. And the four nominees are Matteo Debushi of Saint-Étienne, Ruben Aguilar of Montpellier, um, Hiroki Sakai of Marseille, and Leo Dubois of Nantes. And Jez, I'll throw this one first at yourself. Who out of those four you feel that has been the best? Because it's a bit of a strange category. Again, this one, Leo Dubois is obviously off to Lyon in the summer and maybe faded in the last half of the season. Hiroki Sakai is, has been an ever-present for Marseille as that attacking influence he's been. Ruben Aguilar has been superb and that's the reason why Nordi Mukiele has become a superb centre-back as well. So he's sort of done a double job of being both a good player and helping someone else. And, and Matteo Dibushi, probably the, one of the surprises of the season after coming in in January, has been a real influence on a centre-team tide that have flown back up the table. But um, four good players. Who do you pick? Yeah, I, th- I think they're they're all very solid choices, and I feel slightly guilty picking someone who hasn't even been there the whole season. But I just think Dubushi has kind of really captured the imagination in the second half of the season and been a, a huge influence in Saint-Étienne's sort of total transformation of form. Um, sort of providing the experience, providing solidity in defence, and also seemingly providing lots of goals as well um and you know not that it should be judged on that but even the 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 last second own goal against psg it was you know one of the sort of major major events or talking points of, of this season or the second half of the season and he was kind of at the center of that as well so i just i think as a sort of the, the whole package, the kind of the play, the what he's done for the club, what he's done for himself in terms of um, France contention, and just as a as a kind of good um, story, kind of on and off the pitch um, for for Liga, I think he he's been my he's my yeah right back of the season, but um, it was it was probably one of one of the harder choices to make of all the categories. Mm, it's, it's, there's a couple that maybe can question they've missed out. Adam, you look at maybe someone we had in the, the half-season awards in Kenny Tete at Strasbourg, maybe even um, Valentin Rosier at, uh, at Dijon, who's had an excellent season as well. Is there any other names that sort of pop into your mind that, that are disappointed not to make the shortlist? Yeah, one or two. I think it's it's definitely a very a very solid list. And, you know, and so Sakai and Dubar as well. Dubois, sorry, deserve, deserve some credit. Dubois obviously got his move to Leon, which is a you know he's long captain as well, and he's had a good season. Um, but in terms of the you know those sort of um, those that are, haven't made our top four, um, you know I think despite the ongoing disaster or you know continuing perhaps ongoing disaster at Lille, Kevin Malcolm deserves a shout. He's he's very influential going forward and has developed a lot a lot over the last two seasons and arguably Lille's senior player given how young their squad is. Um, I think um, you look even at Kevin Amion at Toulouse, you know, another side that are, are you know, pretty poor, but he, again, has, has been solid this season. And uh, one that often goes under the radar is Yusuf Sabali. I mean, we, we do talk about him as being a, a good player and, and, and a solid option, but he consistently performs his role very, very well. And 
although he's not necessarily the most spectacular of players and often finds himself in, you know, he's at Evian, wasn't he, and on loan and then Nantes and, 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 now, and now Bordeaux permanently. He, he's not necessarily a standout, but he's a very solid, both both defensively and, and going forward. So I think perhaps um, given Bordeaux's, you know, brilliant second half to the season under Poyet, um, he he deserves some credit too, but um, I'm I'm with I'm with I'm with Jez. Um, Debussy is is difficult to ignore. Well, it's very nice that you both mentioned him because our Liga right back of the season is absolutely Matteo Debussy, the half season sensation, really. Even though he scored that own goal against Paris Saint Germain, he gave away the penalty against Monaco at the weekend as well. There's been little bits of moments, but he's been terrific. He's laid on a couple of assists. He's scored some good goals. He's really assisted Leivera as they've rose him back up the table and still are within a shout of Europa League football and him himself he might even sneak into the France squad given the uh, depth of uh, talent at right back at the moment and experience at right back at the moment for the France national squad maybe he gets that call and is on the plane to Russia we'll wait and see on that one that would be a, an interesting story if he can manage to pull that off uh, Liga centre-back of the year um, we have Hilton at Montpellier Marquinhos of Paris Saint-Germain, Adil Rami of Marseille, and Diego Carlos of Nantes. Four very solid defensive sides, or at least three. Maybe Marseille have not been great defensively at all times, really, this season. Uh, Adam, there's a number of of good names, experienced names in that list as well. Um, Very quickly, who do you think will take it away? Um, It's another tough one. Um, I I think... Um, looking at those those four players, you know, Carlos was had a good season, you know, but again, uh, Nantes have trailed off towards the end of the year and perhaps um, hasn't been as solid um, for, for, for much of the second half of the campaign. Rami's been good, but not spectacular um, and has formed a part of a you know, very impressive spine at Marseille um, that has, has gotten, you know, to the Europa League final. So he definitely is as good and I would consider him. I think Marquinhos is very lucky to be on there. So I know that PSG 92 points at the moment, probably 95 if they win the final game of the season. The you know, league champions, treble winners. Uh, I think he's had, he's been pretty, by his standards, pretty poor this year. Um, although I can understand he's still their best centre-back, probably. Um, him or Kimpembe is pretty close. Um, but for me, I think Hilton. I think of, of the four, Hilton deserves, deserves you know, a lot of credit for Montpellier side who have, being built as is typical for Michel de Zakarian on defensive solidity. He into his forties, he's been he's been absolutely brilliant this season and, and is a real leader and, and a real example for as, as such a sort of established and 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 um, pro, you know professional professional if you like. He's a very very professional player and and uh, my vote would go to him. I think he's 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 been brilliant again. Jez, anyone spring to mind that, that's missed out here? That it's centre-backs, it's not, defending hasn't been the greatest forte of many teams this season, but um, there's still some excellent centre-backs in, in Liga that maybe uh, feel a little bit disappointed that the likes of maybe a, a Marquinhos who hasn't had the greatest season what was nominated. Um, there were, yeah, the, that I said the Ryback was difficult. I think this was the one that I found the most difficult, just because no one particularly excited me. No one really stood out. I mean, I went for Hilton as well, but in terms of other names, again, yeah, there weren't really any obvious other people that you know. Glick, I think, again, has been solid, but like Marquinhos, hasn't been as good as last season. Um, you know, from a slightly biased point of view, Nia Carte has been one of the very, very few bright spots for Mess this year. And, you know, there's no way he's still going to be with us next season. I'm sure he'll stay in Liga, if not 
going abroad. There aren't any really obvious standouts. You know, my staying with PSG, Kimpembe has done okay, but possibly not taken the step forward that we all hoped he would. No, yeah, no one really to me has kind of, I don't know, made, um, made such a, a big play to, to, to really be the the number one centre back this year. There's no obvious candidate for me. I'll I'll give a little nudge to Nordin Mukiele. He'll be mentioned a little bit later because he's now a young player of the year nominees. But I, I think he's been a really excellent centre back. But it is that well someone who's teaching the young pups really how it's done. Our Liga centre back of the year is the 40 year old Hilton. I don't think he'll mind us mentioning that too often because it's a spectacular feat and why he's not been called up to the Brazil squad when they might need someone to stop them. Anyone scoring seven past them in a world cup again. Um, maybe Hilton might be your man. Um, Liga left back of the year. And this one's a pretty strong category really of Jordan Amavi, Marseille, uh, Jean Roussillon of Montpellier, um, fellow Mendy, of Leon and Yuri Bashish of PSG. Jez, four fantastic left backs really that that have all had good solid seasons. It's a it's a tough one, this one. Um yeah it is. Four very good players. Um Bashish um has sort of benefited from Kazawa just sort of really slipping off the face of the earth um but i think he's done a good job and actually been a little bit underrated and occasionally a little bit overly criticized for things that have gone wrong at psg um amavi at one point i thought he might have been a shoe in for, for for this i think he's gone off a little bit but you almost think if 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 marseille qualified for champions league through the league you know he almost deserves it just for that goal line clearance the other day um Mendy I think is fantastic and you know probably France's future left back but I just feel like he gives away a few too many penalties for comfort um so I think he's just shown a little bit of inexperience at times and so purely because of that and because I think Montpellier's defense um deserved to be um sort of acknowledged this year I've gone for Roussillon just ahead of Mendy very quickly before I reveal the the result on this one, um, Adam, who did you pick? Um, I think I went with uh, Roussillon. Um, you know, brilliant again this year. Um, very very good going forward. Huge to the way that Montpellier played both him and Aguilar fullback are superb and and uh, is a real standout player. So I think I went with uh, with Roussillon. Hmm. There's a reason we've got two excellent panelists this evening because our Liga left back of the year is. Jerome Roussillon of Montpellier. He's had a terrific season, hasn't he? He's, he's a marauding left-back. He's really the creative centre of this team, even though he's playing out there at the full-pack position. He's been tremendous when he's played. There was a bit a spot in the season, obviously, where he's injured and they did miss him. But um, in the counter-attacking style they want to play with, and Benza in front of him and Dolly as well, starting to, to grow in influence in terms of being able to attack at speed. He's been excellent this season I, I honestly think out of everyone at, at Montpellier he's the one that someone's going to pick up because he's really a, a tremendous left back that's at the peak of his powers at the moment um on to Ligue centre midfielder of the season we have Luis Gustavo from Marseille uh, Adrian Rabio of Paris Saint-Germain uh, Benjamin Borijo of Rennes and Luca Toussaint of Lyon but four good centre midfielders some really impressive performances from a, a few of them really this season um Adam, but who have you gone for? 
Um, I think there's only, as you're absolutely right, there have been some some really good performances, but there's only one option for me, and that's Luis Gustavo. He's been un- unbelievable for Marseille. It's really difficult to under- understate how good he's been, and I think he's 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 crucial to the mentality of of Rudy Garcia's team. He's crucial to their to the, their mental strength, and he really does cover a lot of ground. He leads by example. He's sort of a lightning rod for all the all the pressure that that club kind of experience. And he's almost without fail, utterly brilliant as well. Brilliant on the ball, wins the ball back, dictates play from deep. I think he's been unbelievable this season. And um, I, I, um, I think he's, he's got the opportunity to become a genuine Marseille legend. If they go and win his Europa League final and he's brilliant again and leads them into the Champions League and who knows, they may have gone a decent run there too. I, I genuinely think he, he could, if he stays there for a few seasons, could be a genuine Marseille great. So uh, it has to be Luis Gustavo for me. Maybe interesting on this list that someone like uh, Don Bailey hasn't made it, although, again, he's someone who will be mentioned later. It's nice to see Benjamin Borijo mentioned in this category, really. But, Jez, who who did you pick? I went for Gustavo as well for basically all the same reasons, I think. Um, Toussaint has been quietly excellent for Lyon. Borijo, I think, has been not quite a revelation because he's been doing great stuff for, for Lens for a while now, but to make that step up so well and, and get into double figures for goal scoring from, from central midfield is excellent. Um, Rabiot, I think, has, has gone off the boil sort of since the, the Real Madrid matches. So I think he's possibly lucky to, to, to even have been nominated. But yeah, even despite how good those other three are, I think Gustavo by a mile for all the reasons Adam said, and which I won't expand on because I might do later instead. Yeah, because it's four for four <laughs> for our dynamic duo because Liga centre midfielder of the year is Marseille's Luis Gustavo. He's been tremendous since he's joined from Wolfsburg. I'm basically to be out of there, to be fair, and back here into a, a champ or a team fighting for, for European spots. He's been a real revelation, really. It's, if he can keep this up, there's no wonder he's in the, the Brazil squad as well. He's been dynamic, both as a defensive force and even um, occasionally striking from distance as well. He's been a tremendous season for Marseille. On to bigger attacking midfielder of the year. And this is probably one of the more competitive categories as well. There's a few that have missed out and maybe disappointingly so for some of them. But in here is Florian Tovan of Marseille, Nabil Fakir of Lyon, Ronnie Lopez at Monaco and Neymar of Paris Saint-Germain. Um, a strong group, really. You can't really argue with many of those names being in there. Um, Jez, but who did you pick? Um, trying to remember. Um, <laughs> I went with, with Tovan. Again, really strong category. Um but I think Fekir, early in the season, looked like he was going to be player of the year, but partly because of injuries, occasional sort of drops in form, I don't think he's up, he's sort of absolutely kept it kept it at the top of his game for the whole season. Lopez has had an amazing 2018, but um, was a bit quieter early on. I think he deserves a lot of credit for um, taking over where Bernardo Silva left off and um, not quite reaching those standards, but not making Silver as missed as, as he could and should have been. And Neymar, I think, in a way, he's sort of a victim of his own success. I just think he's such an amazing player that even when you look at his brilliant stats for this season, I just feel, it sounds ridiculous to say, but in some sense, I do feel he's been disappointing. 
probably as much for his his attitude. Some PSG fans say it's unfair. It's all you know the media that have built it up. But I do think his attitude has been wrong at times, even if it's been misguided with you know the poker and all that kind of thing. That you know starting earlier in the season with the whole penalty thing with Cavani, I don't think he's been um, as good as he could be both in terms of football and kind of attitude whereas Tova who's never been my favorite player again either in terms of football or attitude you can't really fault what he's done for Marseille this year the only question mark with him again is not turning up in those really big matches but he's done so much for them in all of the other matches so what, what is that you know just take off the six against the big teams so still like 31 32 matches um, and again, that the stats that he's come up with have just been fantastic, and so I, th- I think it's hard to argue against him, even though all of Ligue 1's players seem to have done. Adam, who would you pick? I went to Van as well. I think he's been unbelievable this season, but uh, it is caveated by the fact that he has been a little bit quiet in bigger games. But I think it's difficult to look past him, and you know the performance to get them back into the game at the end against uh, against Gangon on Friday. You know, kind of typifies what he's about, and um, has become a real talisman for for Marseille. So, Florent Tuvan for me. Yeah, this was a really tough category. Really, Fakir was running away with this probably earlier in the season, but faded with with injury and a, a little bit of a dip in form. Ronnie Lopez has come on a a late surge, but maybe Monaco's dip in form at the end of the season has made people forgetting how good he has been for them this season. Has probably been their best player really, and obviously Neymar's injury as well has derailed um, some of his possible chances of this, which is why our Liga attacking midfielder of the year is. Marseille's Florian Tovan. He's had a tremendous season and he's up for the big award at the end as well. So maybe it's not the end of the night for Tovan or for Gustavo, who's also up for that award as well. Uh, Liga forward of the year contains Edison Cavani, our top scorer for Paris Saint-Germain. Kylian Mbappe, also of Paris Saint-Germain. Mariano Diaz of Lyon and Carl Toko Ikambi of Angers. Um, Adam, what was your choice in this one? Um, it was another tough one. Um, I went Cavani, though. I think just because the numbers of goals are kind of difficult to argue compared to the others. Um, I think Mbappe has been very good, very exciting at times, but not necessarily um, as prolific as people would have hoped. Diaz, I really like Diaz, but he's, he can be very selfish and he's, he's got a little way to develop before he comes to play. He can really be a very, very good player and, and, and could lead that Leon side for, for many years to come. And and uh, Cambi's been great as well, but I don't think he's in the same class as the other three. So I um I, I went Cavani. Um, I, I, he used to be my least favorite player in 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 well at Paris Saint Germain anyway. Because uh, given my 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 job at Football Radar, I, I watch a lot of PSG and um every single game for the last four years. And it, it um he, he frustrated me a lot. And but this season I've I've really come to love him. I think. He's he's a he's a gentleman. I think he's a consummate professional. When he's on form, he's a brilliant finisher, and he's a very exciting finisher as well. He's some sort of some, something, something of a sort of a ninja about him. He's just doing everything very quickly and very fast. Those those glancing front post headers are are are, are superb, and um, I, I've really grown grown to love him this year. And he's now my arguably my favourite player in the league. So I think, given his goals compared to everybody else, I think it has to be Cavani. Jez, who was your choice? Um, Cavani, I agree with everything that Adam said, except that I'm still not absolutely convinced about him at the very, very top level. But for Liga, um, he's 
obviously helped by what he has playing behind him. He's in a different class to the others, and um, you can't argue against him. Yeah, which is exactly why he's also voted in as our league on forward of the year. I do want a quick mention for Carlton Quickambi, who has had a terrific season. To be mentioned even among those kind of names is a real result for him. And I'm sure someone's going to come in in the summer and uh, really enjoy the, how good of a player he can really be. But Edison Cavani, proving doubt was wrong yet again, uh, trying in the face of adversity, which for some, well, a lot of parts of the season was Neymar for one reason or the other, um, but um, becoming our top scorer and, and showing again uh, just how good of a footballer he is historically the most scoring Paris Saint-Germain history as well. Um, on to Liga, Young Player of the Year and some terrific nominees in this and my favourite category at least in Tongi Undombele of Lyon, Kylian Mbappe of Paris Saint-Germain, Nordi Mukiele of Montpellier and Kim Pem- uh, Presno Kimpembe also of Paris Saint-Germain. Um, a hotly contested category as always, um, but maybe not as one-sided as it has been in other years, at least anyway, in the last couple of years. Um, Jez, who did you pick? I went for Ndombele. Um, I think Kimpembe's been very good. Mukiele's been excellent. Mbappe, a bit like what I said about Neymar, I feel he's, he's almost sort of created a monster. You know, Everything that he did last year was so spectacular that... If any other 19-year-old had his stats from this year, it would be unbelievable. But it's so unfair to say, but at times this year, it has felt a little bit like he's been underperforming or a bit disappointing, which is crazily harsh. But, you know, he should be flattered that, that we're judging him by such high standards. But Ndombele, I just think, you know, more or less unknown at the start of the year, outplayed PSG for Angers. Um, came to Lyon, outplayed PSG twice for Lyon and has just been a, just a fantastic force for them. I think he's, he, you know, at times he makes N'Golo Kante look like a lazy player. He can do it all. And, you know, I, th- I really think that the world's his oyster. If he, if he keeps his head on his shoulders, I, I, I think he could be one of the great, the world's great midfielders of the next few years. I really think he's that talented. Defensively, um, fantastic long shot on him as well. I think he's, I think he's brilliant. Yeah, Adam, who did you choose? Yeah, I went and Dembele. Difficult to argue with with Jez there. I think I 100% agree with his talent. He's 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 such a such a dynamic player and and so powerful and just unplayable at times. He's that there's that, that, that you mentioned that long range shot as well. That there was that shot against PSG away from home. They hit the bar when he played very well in that game. And yeah, I think. Even though you know this is a strong category, um, I think it has to be Ndombele. And our, our league on young player of the year is Leon's Tongi Ndombele. He's obviously not officially with them yet because he's only on loan, but he's been tremendous. I, I agree with both of you. Uh, he's comfortably, I think, the the winner of this award in the end. He's been tremendous. I, I really love the way he tends to win the ball, turn drive at teams. He really turns defence into attack in such an exciting one movement. And he, he can be really, a, when he's motoring and when he's really on form, he can be almost impossible to stop, which is why Paris Saint-Germain are even having a look at him, really, because he's a true tremendous um, midfielder and uh, one to certainly keep an eye on for the future. Uh, on to two awards. I'm going to combine these ones to try and save a little bit of time. At least anyway, it's our top signing of the year and our flop signing of the year, sort of the joke awards really of these ones. Um, so we've got Neymar, um, 
uh, for Paris Saint-Germain. Oh, this is on the top signings as well. So don't get conf- too confused. Uh, Nolan Root of Metz, uh, Matteo Debussy of Saint-Étienne, and Luis Gustavo of Marseille for those top signings. Um, Jez, who did you pick in this one? I was a bit biased. I think I went for Nolan Rue, um just because, um, again, Neymar, to, to me, not particularly a, a great signing because I think it, I don't, I think PSG would have won the league without him. He was signed to do things in the Champions League. I don't think he did. And I think probably he actually hamstrung PSG in a way. Um, Gustavo, if I wasn't being biased, I would have said Gustavo, but I already had him for a couple of other categories. So I thought I'd give someone else a chance. Um, and Nolan Rue, you know, as horrific as mess of mess have been, I was one of the ones who, you know, laughed when we signed him and thought well we're nailed on for relegation now we weren't nailed on for relegation but it was absolutely not because of Rue um, we would have gone a hell of a lot earlier if it wasn't for his fantastic goal scoring form and also just brilliant attitude especially considering he's a bit of a laughing stock around around Liga. Um, you know he really has been a, a breath of fresh air for, for, for Mess and you know he deserves better than what most of the rest of the team around him gave him and to to come up with I can't remember how many I think 15 16 goals for such a, a badly performing team is is quite spectacular I think Adam what did you pick um I actually I'm not 100% I, whether I went with Rue but um it was him or Gustavo again but I think I did go with Nolan Rue I mean if I could pick him for striker of the year I think I would as well to if, I just want to sort of look read his goal record off here like it's 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 such a such a turnaround in terms of his form. You know, look at the clubs he's played for. Okay, promoted with with, with Brest and got fifteen goals. Two seasons in league and six and four, and then four seasons at Lille, five, eight, nine, and nine. Nine at Snetian and four at Snetian. To get fifteen for the side that finished bottom of the league is is unbelievable. And he's been uncharacteristically clinical in front of goal. He's been uh, a real focal point for their attack. And every time he scored, it was such a, such a such a big sort of lift. I I really sort of got behind him. I just felt like again, like like Jez said, when they signed him to replace Sheikh Diabate, I just felt like how do they plan to stay up like this? And um, um, but it's as as he said, it's been it's been in spite. It's been it, relegation hasn't been because of him. It's been in spite of him. So I I I think he's been superb and it's the best season of his career by some distance. So uh, not a roof for me. Yeah, I think thank God they didn't settle on the Emmanuel Riviere. But our league and top signing of the year is Neymar of Paris Saint-Germain. He's has been tremendous. I think we seem to forget a little bit because it's been so long that he's uh, been out and we'll probably be reminded when the World Cup turns around. And I know his antics off the field have, have left a sour note and bits like that. But at the same time, we remember back to the summer how much of a a shift and a transformation his signing to French football was both for, for the league, for Paris Saint-Germain, for, for everyone across Europe to see the the real um, influx that it's changed the entire transfer market, really, that one signing. That's why, even though it's our top signing from both our fans and our, and our voters, it, it was more than just a, a top signing for, for PSG. It was a top signing for, for Ligue 1, for French football, uh, and really changed the face of, of transfers for the for the foreseeable future it seems unless the the bubble bursts um league on flop of the season and um, there's a few interesting names that we've barely seen this season really in here and um, we've got Wesley Snyder of Nice who's now left Nice obviously uh, Abdem, I'm in Abdenor of uh, Marseille Paul Jules and Tep 
of St. Etienne and Thiago Maia of Lille. There's a lot expected of him. But um, who did you choose, Adam? I think um, three of the four are circumstantial uh, in terms of how they didn't turn out. One is because he's terrible. So I, I think Schneider, unfortunate, you know, doesn't really have anything to play, anywhere for him to play in that Nice team. Uh, and Tep has been struggling with injury and, you know, has been in and out of the side and, and has other long-term injuries before going back to, to France. And I don't think he's been that bad either. And Thiago Maia has just been in the middle of a, of a complete mess at Lille. But Ayman Abdenor has been unbelievably poor this season. And um, he said recently it was sort of the worst period of his career, which, is, which isn't hard to believe, to be fair. And although he was brilliant at Monaco when, you know, that season they got made to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And I thought, you know, given that, you know, Rolando was solid-ish and Rami was a good signing, obviously, that he would really compliment them. But he's been absolutely nowhere near the, the level required. His first game was an utter disaster um, and it just feels like he is nowhere near the player that he was when he was at Monaco and that last they thought they were signing. You know, in seven of the last, in five, in sorry, in four, fourth last six games, he hasn't even made the bench. And, you know, Kamara's been, 18-year-old people are Kamara's been starting ahead of him when given a chance. He's been really good, to be fair. But um, I, I noticed today that Abdul didn't even make the Tunisian provisional squad for the World Cup, which really shows, you know, how uh, there, there may be a caveat to that in that he's, you know, not necessarily on the best terms of the manager. But even so, it shows that his form is 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 really very poor. So I think there's only one here for me, and and, and that's um, I'm an Abdul, unfortunately. Jez, who did you choose? I think this is maybe the first one where we haven't come up with the same answer, although I certainly don't disagree with anything at all that Adam said but I went with with Schneider just because although he's sort of coming to the end of his career he in his time was such a great player and Nice in recent seasons have have done so well to to spot a sort of slightly left field signing and who's kind of been on the wane for for various reasons and managed to get the best out of them so when Schneider came in I did think, you know, is this going to, it was kind of reasonably exciting to think, is this going to be another one of those, um, uh, you know, great pieces of business by, by Nice? And is he going to come in and, you know, provide that ammunition um, for, for Balotelli or, you know, form a brilliant partnership with Seri, that kind of sh- kind of thing. He turned up, um, you know, not entirely fit, partly because of, it seemed that he was carrying <laughs> quite a bit of extra weight which he didn't seem to be able to to get rid of and as you said he sort of he, he left um not long after he arrived having done practically nothing in between so just i think just because of the for me the the sort of level of disappointment from for from the excitement when he when he signed and how little he he sort of um backed up that excitement i i went for schneider what is it with Dutch playmakers and their weight sometimes? It seems to always go south quite quickly for them. Um, the winner of our league and flop of the signing of the season, unfortunately for them at least, is Wesley Schneider, who's obviously no longer in French football. He's playing a sort of, I think it's in Qatar, I think he's playing in, or it might be Saudi Arabia, one of the, the two sort of backwaters of, of football, you might say at least. Anyway, but he, he did really not nothing much of note so we won't dwell on him uh, too long at least anyway um on to best french player playing abroad and there's four nominees for this and they should all be really along the uh, french national squad as well and that's uh, samuel mtt of barcelona uh, antoine griezmann of atletico madrid paul pogba of manchester united and 
uh, N'Golo Kante of Chelsea. Uh, four good names for that are likely to be heavily involved in the summer. Jess, uh, who did you choose? Um, I went for MTT. Um, Pogba, I think, deserves to be met there more than Benzema, deserves to be on the official list, but I'm still not sure that his season as a whole warranted him being um, amongst the top four. Kante, I think, has been excellent again, but possibly not quite the same standard as last year. Um, and Griezmann could probably say more or less the same thing. I think he has had, um, re- certainly recently, a really good run of form, but possibly not quite hit his heights. And Titi, you know, still sort of growing, his reputation is still growing as a player. And I think he's been fantastic. And to, you know, although defence has never been Barcelona's strongest point to, to make himself a, a sort of indisputable starter. And, you know, the last couple of matches he hasn't played and, you know, they conceded five this week. I'm not sure. I can't remember what happened last week, but I don't think Barcelona that the same team defensively without him. Um, he had a couple of off matches when there were all the rumours about, about his contracts, but generally I think he's had a fantastic season, um, made himself probably undroppable for, for France as well now. And just overall of those four, I think he, he just about deserves deserves the award. How about you, Adam? Who did you choose? I think it's difficult to agree with, disagree with um, what Jez said there, but um, I, I tipped slightly the other way and went, and went Kante. Um, although perhaps not as, as, as I, don't know if he, I don't know if he's as influential, but perhaps as prominent as he was last year, um, I think he's still hugely important to Chelsea and still um, the best at what he does in world football. And, and his form in an, in, in an individual basis has been not far off what it was last year. And um, having seen him come through at Cannes and then, and then, you know, obviously the fantastic season with Leicester and, and, and he's, only, he's only improved really. And um, I think for me, um, getting the best out of him at the World Cup, perhaps not playing him as a holding midfielder, playing him with, with you know, a bit more scope to, 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 to use his mobility and, and to, to press and to, to, to play a bit more um, could be the difference between France having a very good World Cup and them having a very bad World Cup. So I, I went with, with Kante, but... Um, and Tutti's been superb as well. And for him to adopt that role at Barcelona from Leon, having come from Leon and, and, and develop as he has, is, 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 is superb as well. But Kante just for me. Well, you're both doing so well, but um, the, both of you are wrong on this one. Um, the best French player voted by our fans and our jury is Antoine Griezmann of Atletico Madrid. He's had a, another great little season for, for Atletico maybe not as strong after um, shushing fans at one point and uh, having the uh, variety of hairstyles he seems to do almost uh, David Beckham-esque one of his, his own heroes he'll openly admit but um, a very strong forward and, and possibly looking forward to a, a strong summer again after the Euros and, and also maybe a, a, a big money move to a to pastures new at least in the summer but um, congratulations to uh, Griezmann on that award on to our final three awards and my three of my favorites at least anyway other than the young player of the year and that's starting with Ligue 1's breakout start of the year and that's containing uh, Husam Awa of Leon, uh, Malcolm of Bordeaux, Chang Hun Kwon of Dijon and Memphis Depay of Leon. Um, Adam in this one who did you choose? Um it was a hard one. I think I like to see it like that Quan is in there. He's been really good for Dijon this season. Um, very waspish little sort of presence and, and has really 
um, driven that side forward. Some superb performances and superb goals as well. That goal at Amion, that little one-two, and the the bend, the bending shot in top corner was one of my favourite goals of the season. Um, obviously, Malcolm and and Depay have, have have had great seasons, but especially Depay in the last few months. But for me, it's Hossam Awar, just because how graceful he is. He, he he reminds me so much of Andres Iniesta. And perhaps even Mario Goetze, when he broke through, he's, he's a bit of a different player now these days, but when Goetze was a similar age at Dortmund, he's he just glides across the pitch. He's got such great vision. Um, he's got such good technique. He's just wonderful to watch. And at 19, he could be, you know, the sky is really the limit for him. And uh, I, I had to go with uh, Hossamawa. Yeah, absolutely. It could even be uh, um, taking the mantle off of Nabil Fakir should uh, the captain leave this summer. Uh, Jess, who did you choose? Yeah, I went for Iwar as well. Um, I think, yeah, Kwan's a good call. I think Depay has been excellent in recent weeks, but I'm just not sure if I'd call him sort of breakout or breakthrough just because he's already a sort of established name on the world scene. Um I, yeah, I think Awa has just been so exciting. Um, you know, he's one of those names that has been sort of mentioned in dispatches the last couple of years, but I don't, I didn't expect him to be so prominent and play so regularly this year. And as Adam said, I think I've described him before as like sort of galaxy chocolate or something. It's just, he's just beautiful to watch. He sort of glides across the pitch. He just looks so smooth and everything that's effortless. And he, he's a class act, I think. Yeah, it's probably a good job we didn't put him in the young player of the year category because that would have made a, a real tussle between him and, uh, and Don Bailey. And like you mentioned, Depay has been great in the second half of the season. Malcolm was great in the first half of the season. That probably got discounts both of them. Uh, Chang Hung Kwon, uh, I've really enjoyed him as well. I think the South Koreans have been excellent. He's uh, going to look forward to a to World Cup where maybe he shines there as well with that attitude. Maybe South Korea can be a little bit of a dark horse with him and uh, human son as well in that team um, but our league and breakout star of the year um quite obviously by the other two choices is uh but by our other two panelists sorry is uh is Hussein Awa. he's been terrific uh, he, i think it was personified in the goal he scored against Trasburg actually the little lovely one too and the the sort of glide into the bottom corner for him the fact that he can play in midfield he can play in the attacking midfield position where Fakir occupies if he needs to he can play out wide if the Leon need to his his flexibility is because he's such a good graceful footballer and he's got a lot of years to come to uh, to be an excellent uh, Stewart, he's going to be the next in line, really to take the mantle maybe next season for for um, Leon, especially if someone like Fakir does does end up as rumoured possibly somewhere like Liverpool, and um, he's the one who might uh, try and take the crown uh, next season. Um, on to our penultimate award, and that's Liga Manager of the Year, and there's four terrific candidates here. There's Christophe Pelissier of Amiens, um, Rudy Garcia of Marseille. Leonardo Jardim of Monaco and Bruno Genesio of Lyon. Um, Jez, who did you choose in this one? Um, I went for, for Pelissier. I think the other three have all done a very good job. I think Genesio sometimes gets um, a little bit too harsh press. I think um, you know he's managing a mix of experienced players, of young players, of big egos, and I don't think he's doing as bad a job as many say. I think Garcia has been fantastic, um, sort of moulding together a, a squad that's, that's uh, assuming we're talking about Rudy Garcia, that is, yeah. um, <laughs> a squad that's sort of really tough to beat and, you know, probably um, sort of greater than the, the sum of its parts. 
Um, similarly to, to Tovan, possibly he falls down a little bit in terms of the results against the, the big teams, but then he's also, you know, brought this into the Europa League final, so it's difficult to argue with what he's done. Um, and Jardim, as we said, I think he's just simply the best manager in Liga, and, um, I don't think, you know, despite the fact that on paper they've still got a good squad, considering the, the sort of turnover from last year, I don't think Monaco have got any right really to be within the top two or three. So I think he's done a really great job. But Pellissier, I just think Amias was, were probably in everyone's eyes nailed, nailed on for relegation. You know, they only got promoted in the 96th, 97th minute of last season and it felt like a, you know, fantastic story, but that they would sort of, you know, come back to earth with a bump this year. Um, but they've been fantastic and, you know, relatively comfortably stayed up and a lot of the time done it with, with playing decent football. Um, you know, I mentioned Schneider sort of, you know, bargain, bargain signing. Um, you know, Kakuta arguably, um, could come into that category as, you know, really having, having done well for, for them and been a talisman for the team, but it certainly hasn't been a, a one man show, I think. And all through the team from, from Gertner in goal, um, Konate up front, um, you know, I think they, they, they play well as a team. They play decent football and, and I just think they've kind of been the, the revelation. Um, yeah, just. <laughs> Yeah, nothing to add really. I think he was, you know, really harsh that, that he missed out on the on the sort of official UNFP nominations, and I hope he gets recognition here instead. Adam, who did you choose? Yeah, I agreed again. I think uh, Policia deserves all the all the praise that he's getting, and deserves to win that UNFP award. And the fact that Una Emery got it is is absurd, really, compared to the achievements of Crystal Policia. I know that PSG have obviously won the treble, but I don't know how much how much you know Emmy really had to do with that. Um, one one thing to add to everything Jez said, which which I 100% agree with. But um, looking at the the team that sort of almost well started the year, in fact, it's still it's still very much a team. But you look at sort of five of those players: Gutner, um, Adenon, um, Debassi, El Hajam, um, and, and uh, Thomas Bonconduy. All were playing in National two years ago, and they're the, they're players that. Have been promoted two two years in a row, and have formed obviously Montcondoy in in midfield, but have formed one of what Ligon's third best defence this season, which is which when which is mind boggling really. Um, so I think huge credit for to Policia and huge credit to those players that have managed to keep them so so defensively solid and despite the fact despite their sort of humble beginnings if you like so brilliant coaching and and a, a fantastic story for them and i think it's difficult to look past Blissier for this one mm, yeah it, it's a tough one this one but our Liga manager of the year as voted by the audience and our jury is rudy garcia of marseille who's had a terrific job really he's, he's made that team uh, really stubborn and slowly grown them over the season he's made he's improved every single one of those players it felt like a ragtag summer but he's he's pulled them together into into some kind of team and not just that a really good team at times as well and obviously in a Europa League final that they hope on uh, on Wednesday will be really really big stuff as well um but I'm pretty sure he would also give a nod to Christoph Pellissier because he's had a terrific season I think people forget that third best defense in Liga is absolutely sensational and if they win on Sunday they could finish as high as 
I think it's twelfth. I think they can finish as high as oh no, even well they're twelfth now, so it could it could even be as high as eleventh. Which if you'd have said that at the start of the season, I, I'm pretty sure they would have ripped your hand off from uh, from you uh, quite simply because they've been terrific. But the award does go to Rudy Garcia, who has had a tremendous season. On to our final individual award, and it's the big one, which is our Liga Player of the Year, and our nominees are Edinson Cavani of Paris Saint Germain. Neymar of Paris Saint-Germain, Tovan of Marseille, and Luis Gustavo of Marseille. Um, I'll start with you, Adam. Who did you choose? I went Florian Tovan. It was this was a tough one, obviously, as I mentioned about Cavani. You know, I've, I've really grown to appreciate him, and I think he's had a good season. And it's difficult to argue with <clears throat> Neymar's quality, although I agree with what Jess said about his his attitude, and and, and I hundred percent think that his attitude is a, is a very poor one. There are a number of examples, excuse me, <clears throat> that um that you know that sort of attest to that. But it's difficult to argue with his quality. I don't know how much effect he's had on the the areas of the season that they would have wanted him to had uh not great against Real Madrid in the first leg okay not not disastrous but not, didn't really affect the game as as much as they would have liked and and perhaps not necessarily lived up to expectations really I mean four goals against Dijon is all very well but I I, I don't really see that as a as as a reason to vote for him for the best player of the year PSG players as perhaps this this podcast has shown, are measured by a different standards to the rest of the league, and I don't think that Neymar has consistently lived up to those standards. Unfortunately, although ability-wise, is the best player in the league with, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but in terms of the season, I think the most effect that the that have foreign two man has had on his team, um, the progression he's made, some of the performances he's put in, and how how much of a talisman he's come become to that Marseille. So it's difficult to ignore. I was close between him and Gustavo <clears throat> for similar reasons, to be honest. But <clears throat> it's difficult to argue with, <clears throat> excuse me, with um, Tuvan's development since leaving Newcastle. And I think it has to be him. Jess, who did you choose? Um, I agree with everything that Adam said, but of the two, I just went for Gustavo. I just um, Maybe it's because I've never been such a big fan of Tova. I don't know. But I think that... in just tipping it and um, tipping the scales in Gustavo's favour is that I think he's he's performed more or less every time he's played, whereas Tovan has had those important matches where he's gone missing. And I feel that although Tovan has been the one that you know, has got the, the great stats in terms of goals and assists, I think Gustavo is sort of the the one that kind of personifies that team, the sort of grinter, the never say die attitude. And I think he's the one that, that sets the tone for the team. Um, I think he's, um, I might be completely wrong if I, if I sat and looked at the stats, but I just get the impression that when he's not there, he's missed more than Tovan when he's not there. Um, I just, I feel like he's, he's the one, he's the sort of general on the field that are pushing the team forward. If, not only sort of with the ball, but also mentally as well. And um, I just, yeah, I, th- I think he's the one that's really turned Marseille into the kind of winning machine that they've become this year. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, our Liga 
player of the year. Um, it's a tough choice, really, between a lot of those players, but it is Florian Tovan of Marseille, who's had a tremendous season. Congratulations to him. Um, but we aren't quite finished yet. We have our team of the season that will be made up mostly of those players we, we mentioned earlier, but we'll also add a couple of extras in. So at the moment, we have our goalkeeper, right back, left back, one centre back, so we need another. And we also need another midfielder and another winger and another striker I think I'll go for so one sort of in every position so I'm just looking for names now from both of you and I'll start with um, you Adam so I want at least one for each of them so I need a centre-back centre-midfielder an attacking midfielder and a striker um, so yeah to adding to the team I think I'd go with Adel Rami I think um, he's he's been solid this year and, and, and important to that Marseille side it's fine um, uh, central midfielder I think Lucas Toussaint would compliment Luis Gustavo pretty nicely uh, so I'd go with him alongside that. Um, him, I think Burgo's been good, but not quite as, as influential with Tucson. Rabio's dropped off. Uh, in terms of sort of the attacking midfielders or wingers, um, I think it's close between Lopez and Fakir, but I think perhaps Fakir just edges it. I'm sort of thinking of um, just just the, the what he's capable of is, is 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 still quite astounding. That 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 goal against Bordeaux at the start of the year, that shot from what was the genuine shot from 40, 50 yards that flew into the top corner, um, not a lob at all. Uh, it's, it's that kind of thing that, that really sets him apart. So I think Fakir and huge credit for him to come from what was a horrific knee injury as well. So I think Fakir for me, and then to join um, to join Cavani um, in attack. Um, I think I'll go with Mariano Diaz. I think he's had a very productive season um, and has, has, despite some attitude issues perhaps, has shown he's got a tremendous amount of potential and can't argue with, what, 16, 17 league goals, um, despite not necessarily being you know, the, the, the focal point of the attack at all times, given Depay's form. So I think uh, I'd have to go with Mariano Diaz there. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Very quickly, Adam, on that one, at least. Any changes when I say it doesn't have to be someone who was nominated? <laughs> um perhaps um perhaps i might add in some of the younger players i mean indumbele might get a shout in there as in as ahead of ahead of tusar possibly um i I'd, I'd probably put nolan rue in there just because i really appreciate the season he's had i think it's been fantastic uh, as well maybe but um i think you know that that uh, that team is pretty solid and and really shows off the the quality that the league possesses Jez? Um, Centre-back, I'm still still sort of unimpressed with everyone, really. <laughs> um, I think there's lots of very good, but not many standout players. So I'll just go Kim Pembe, just to have a nice balance of, of young and old in there. Um, central midfield, yeah, if, if Ndombele isn't already in the team, um, I'd put him in. Um Winger, I'm tempted to be a bit biased again and, and go for Dossavi. I think to make the top three is everything that, that we said about Rue earlier. That Dossavi is in the top three of assists alongside Neymar and Payet, considering Massa Bottom is pretty unbelievable. But I would, yeah, I would. I, realistically, I think I agree with Adam between Fekir and Lopez, and I agree that I, I think Fekir just edges it. And then up front, it's tough, and there's there's a lot of, again a lot of very good players um, to complement Cavani. Um, yeah, go on. I'll go. I'll go Diaz as well. I think that that makes sense. That's pretty pretty potent strike force. I think he's been really impressive for for his first season in France. 
Yeah, and I think we'll leave uh, any sort of tiebreakers at least to the lead judge, which is luckily for me, myself. Um, so our Zigan team of the season consists of Steve Mondonda, uh, Matteo Debussy at right back with uh, Jerome Roussillon at left back. Hilton is joined at centre-back by Adil Remy. Um, our centre midfielders are Luis Gustavo and Tongi Undombele with attacking midfielders of Florian Tovan and Nabil Fakir with Edison Cavani and Mario Diaz up front. Well, that's all for our awards, and that's all we have time for this evening as well. My thanks to Mo, Adam, Jez, and all of you listening at home. Uh, do join us for the preview show this time on Wednesday, straight after the Europa League final, so keep your eyes out for that one. And the main show will be back with the end of the season, really, uh, but we do have another week on after that with our end-of-season reviewers. Also, do keep your eyes open for that as well. But our show on Monday will be at the same place, same time next week. Abianto. And goodbye.